Hello and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it is all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska. And I'm your other host, Khalid Hussein. Hey, Khalid. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> you, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know what we're talking about today? I do. Yeah, I, uh, I do know what we're talking about today. We're, we're going to do some Star Wars stuff. But before we get into that, I just wanted to I just want to ask you a question, a Star Wars question. What's up? Are you doing are you doing lightsaber sounds? Yeah, uh, that's cool. I want to ask you a question. Um, in one of the films, uh, Luke and Han, they ride these creatures called Tauntauns, right? They do. Yes. Do you remember that part? Yeah, I do. It's in the second so one, right? My question for you is, what is the internal temperature of a Tauntaun? God, you just made me walk into this, didn't you? Um, I don't know, Joe. What is it? Lukewarm. Oh. <laughs> you can really just in high definition now hear my disappointment. So Ooh, this works. This joke works two ways because it's a Star Wars joke. Also, great segue to introducing our guest. Joining us today is Luke Luke Johnson who is a digital marketing whiz in the nonprofit se- sector and also doubles as a literature and genre geek and Star Wars expert. Welcome, Luke. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? What's up, buddy? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Did you appreciate the joke? I did. I did. I have to say I've heard that one before, Joe, but hey, <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I gotta... You don't have to lie, Luke. You don't have to be nice just because he's the host. I <laughs> I give you permission to be as critical as you need to be. Sometimes he needs to hear it. Okay, okay. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. How, hey, you guys. Why did episodes four, five, and six come out before one, two, and three? I will walk out. <laughs> I don't know. D- do you want to know why? Yeah. Because oh. in charge of directing, Yoda was. <laughs> I like that. That was one. my Yoda voice. I like that one. I'm only not mad because you did you committed and did the voice. Yeah, I had to go all in on that one. <laughs> it was a good voice. It was a good voice. I don't want to keep being like the meh guy. So that was a good voice. Yeah, yeah. Well done, man. <laughs> okay, I'm the meh guy again. <laughs> all right. So, so Luke, you, I know you've listened to the show, and we, we went over this, but since you're new to the new to the podcast, we have a couple guest questions for you, um, and you know them already. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. So uh, being a creature feature podcast, we always like to ask, uh, what is your favorite monster across all pop culture? Any corner of pop culture, book, movie, show, what have you? And if it's not the same, what would you consider the scariest? Sure, sure. Uh, so my favorite monster, I'd say, um, are the Nazgul or the Ringwraiths from Lord of the Rings. Um, particularly mm, good choice. the um, adaptation that Peter Jackson put together. Uh, the, the creature design, the costume design is just so, so iconic. Um, and, you know, I had a picture of them, of course, in, in reading the books before I saw the films. But, uh, you know, I think PJ and his team just absolutely nailed that. Um, you know, I just love their representation of you know, being between life and death and actual corruption of the ring is just so, so cool. And and the sound they make is just so, so iconic and unique. Maybe someday, Joe, you can uh, give that one a shot. 
Um, yes. Is PJ, is Peter Jackson regularly referred to as PJ or are you just that cool? Uh, well, I don't know about the latter, but, uh, but that's, yeah, I mean, I've seen him referred to that. Um, as- I work in Hollywood and I've never heard of anybody referring to him as PJ. That is, <laughs> you did it so, you did it so naturally. I had to like double take. I was like, wait, who directed it? <laughs> well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, my, my internet discussion, uh, sort of point of view, but, but yeah, that's it, I guess. Um, so yeah, I say that's, I like it. Though. I like it. We should, we should do them. That'd be fun. Yeah, and then Would that uh, also double as your scariest. Do you have a different one? Uh, yeah, I do have a different uh, scary one. Um, so I think for you know Joe and Khalid, you, you, I think you know this about me that I'm pretty easily scared. So this was uh, pretty easy for me to choose. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd say anything like specifically paranormal with like kind of a spiritual or like possessive bend. So I'm thinking of like the exorcist, like the original uh, exorcist in the seventies. You know, I saw that when I was Mm. pretty young. So it uh, formed some uh, conceptions in my mind that have been hard to shake. So um, (laughs) that, that, that's been, yeah, that still scares me to this day. That's uh, that's a rough one to see when you're young. Yeah. I think it was, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of, um, broke the rules so to speak uh in sneaking that one but yeah it was uh it was uh traumatic i can imagine that would be <laughs> wow good answers though those are definitely two that we haven't gotten yet i like it nice nice so question uh, number 2 or 3 if both if scariest and favorite count as two anyway uh what uh, what what do you consider to be on your geek card i i introduced you as being kind of a literature genre geek and star wars fan um but uh if you want to like dig a little deeper into like maybe what you really enjoy about those things or other other uh, kind of nerd nerd uh, nerdy hobbies that you're into what uh just kind of what makes up you what are you, what what's your what's your favorite stuff yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, Star Wars has been really, really huge in my life. Uh, you know, reaching back to, you know, days of childhood, spend a lot of time with my sister, um, watching the movies, talking about them. Uh, you know, we even went so far as to make up like a, <laughs> a song and dance for the title theme too, um, <laughs> which, you know, maybe I'll show you someday if you're lucky. Um, but, you know, also important in my life is Lord of the Rings, uh, like I mentioned. Again, read that growing up, that particularly with my brother was really, really big, Um, you know, and it was really special for us to see the movies, too, when they came out and we could compare and contrast. So that was awesome. Uh, Otherwise, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big gamer. I like to play video games. Um, You know, I've had, you know, the let's just say the current console all the way back since like the Super NES days. Um, so that's a, that's been a big part of my life too. I love to, you know, game when I want to get a chance. What are you currently gaming with? What's your favorite game right now? Uh, let's see right now. Um, I'm on like my fourth playthrough of the Witcher three. <laughs> uh, it's a game that came out in uh, 2015 and you know, there's like a remaster on the horizon too. So, uh that one i've I, i've just you know it's so deep and, and and broad that i've played it so many times and it's it's really special to me cool which which would be another good one to do on the podcast sometime 
I wanted to do a game uh, discussion for the monster in uh, Death Stranding at some point, but I didn't know if you'd commit to like a whole game. I don't have any. I I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am not a big gamer. I kind of feel like I, in theory, I would be, but I've like, I've kind of resisted because I know I could dive into those. I would dive into it like I dive into everything too much. So it's a I, I don't know. Like any yeah. one game can take like anywhere between like thirty and like a hundred hours. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we could try it sometime. We'll see. Anyway, thanks, Luke, for your answers. Yeah, of course, of course. So uh, we brought you on to talk about Star Wars with us. But Khalid, do you want to get in a little specifics about what we're discussing? Yeah, today we're going to be discussing uh, Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, uh, Star Wars. I haven't said that yet. Sorry, Joe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, directed by Richard Marquand and... uh, you know, written by some uh, unknown. His name's uh, George Lucas. Uh, but uh, he, I've got a little synopsis from our homeboy Google, and it goes a little something like this. Luke Skywalker battles horrible Jabba the Hutt and cruel Darth Vader to save his comrades in the Rebel Alliance and triumph over the Galactic Empire. Han Solo and Princess Leia reaffirm their love and team with Chewbacca, Lando Calrissian, the Ewoks, and the android C-3PO and R2-D2 to aid in the disruption of the dark side and the defeat of the evil empire emperor done i'm done what a monster that creatures of the abstract that live of potential energy it's alive so we're, we're talking a lot about episode six um return of the jedi because it features the monster kind of in question that if you've if you read the title already we're talking about the rancor but uh, we're going to spend some time just going into Star Wars in general and probably digging into some EU stuff because the Rancor, Rancor does appear in other properties. But that's just this is probably just the most um, I'd say the maybe the clearest uh, pop culture image that we have of this creature. So we're talking a lot about this movie specifically. But I kind of wanted to ask both of you before we move into anything else, just like just generally, what's um, what's your history with Star Wars? So um, and Luke, you kind of went in a little bit with your with your geek card question, but uh like tell tell me a little bit about Star Wars for you. What does it mean to you? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh so yeah, it was really big in in my family. Uh you know, we watched it a bunch, uh particularly with my siblings, so there's a lot of emotional <laughs> depth there for me. Um but you know, just generally, I I really like the the philosophy in Star Wars. Um and I think in a lot of ways it reflects a lot of the classic literature that I like to read. Uh, but you know, whenever I describe to people why Star Wars is important to me, I always go back to the idea that it's it's really about like self mastery, and that there's at least when you're talking about the Jedi and the Sith, there's two very different uh, points of view about how you approach self mastery. So for the Jedi, it's through you know like transcendence through detachment, you know, and and for Sith, it's like transcendence through self affirmation. So I just feel like no matter like where I am at in life or how I'm feeling, I can always go back to this universe to kind of give me, you know, meaning and, and, and resonance. Um, so, you know, whether it's uh, the canon or, or legends or, you know, whatever I have accessible, it's just it's always been really um, important to me on that level, too. Damn. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. What about you, Khalid? Um, I had the opposite. Uh, it meant nothing to me for like the first like 13 years of my life because I uh, 
I always say this jokingly, but also kind of serious. Like, I didn't have a white dad, so Star Wars <laughs> was just not a priority <laughs> in the household growing up. Like, it feels, it really feels like like Star Wars, Bruce Springsteen, and like I guess like the Pet Sounds album, or like just like those like big things that like white dads are like excited to share with their kids. Like, <laughs> a way to connect. Uh, so I don't know. Like for me, I. It was always the culture around Star Wars that I was more familiar with growing up. Like the idea of like the stereotypical nerd had like strong feelings about comic books and Star Wars. And like obviously every Simpsons writer was influenced by it. Um, Just pop culture in general was so heavily influenced by Star Wars that like I pretty much knew the entire movie through references before I ever saw a frame of it, which also weirdly was how I got introduced to Wizard of Oz. But um, yeah, like, so I didn't get into actually watching them all until high school when an old friend in high school and I just because he hadn't seen it either. We just decided to watch all at the time, all six movies in order. So we started with the prequels and then we got into uh, four five and six. Uh, it was exhausting and not the best way to introduce yourself to something to watch to watch i think what came out to like 16 hours of movies for for a day uh but i've I've revisited them time and again since then and i like them fine enough i don't have the rose-colored glasses of like childhood to really make it epic for me and Mm -hmm. i'm a I'm a last Jedi defender. I'll get that, get out, get that, get ahead of that right now. That's 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 my bag. I really like, <laughs> I really like genre busting or form formula breaking like uh, installments in a franchise. Just because, like, especially with something like Star Wars, where you have literally decades of material to like pull from and like be like, well, what if we just like argued this idea that we've taken for granted? Like, I'm a big fan of that. So that's what I love about uh, Last Jedi. And then. Uh, I would say probably my favorite like franchise within the franchise is the Mandalorian just because I'm a big fan of like folklore and like myth making. So like those like adventures of the week type things always grab me and the Mandalorian does it very well. Um, but yeah, like I, I like it, you know, uh, 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 Billy D. Williams. What like what, 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 what more could I say? Like that guy's awesome. So like getting to see him just like quip with Harrison Ford and them and then seeing like how much fun Carrie Fisher had in her prime. Like it's all great. It's, it's uh, I, I recommend it. If you haven't seen this small indie production, check it out. <laughs> that first one was an indie, pro- indie production too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, technically, I guess, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well for me, so for me, I, I did, I did grow up with star Wars. Like you said, the white, the white dad whole thing and all that. But, um, like when I was a kid, we had, uh, like a little, um, cabinet with like VHSs when I was VHS tapes when I was really little. And there was, um, the three, uh, original star Wars movies we had. And I remember they were all, all of them were ripped. So I never saw like the full cover for the longest time, but I would watch them just, repeatedly and then i got really into him of course and i was a big toy collector when i was younger so i had a bunch of the star wars toys i had this game this like uh, electronic game where you had to like match quotes so it would, like if you pressed one of the buttons it would say a quote from the movie and then you'd have to try and like find that quote and match it to the same quote on a different part of the board it's like a matching game but like because of that i memorized so many random quotes from the movie like like one of them i remember was like when the guy's like you may fire when ready 
like that part. <laughs> so like oh. all these random ones, I'm just like when I hear them in the movies, I'm like, oh, it's that game. It was like it was a sweet game. It was like shaped like the Millennium Falcon and the buttons would light up. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it was cool. So um, I didn't have like as um, maybe intense of like a, a meaning I described to it when I was growing up. I just really thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool series of movies i was just a big sci-fi geek when i was little and i mean when i was little still am i guess um star trek was kind of always my bag but i never really for the longest time i never really thought that there was like a competing nature between those two and i don't really think there is still i think people play it up more than there is um so i always i kind of grew up like loving both of those franchises in different ways like star wars was that big fantasy epic that scratched that itch of you know like the the, the quest and the destiny the mythology and then Star Trek was just a different side of a, a coin, a, a different side of the sci-fi coin for me. So I don't know. I loved them both for very different reasons. And can I say, here we are. I kind of lost touch with it a little bit. But honestly, it was episode seven that kind of reinvigorated. When that came out, I was like, oh, my God, I got to rewatch all of them again. I'm like, OK, I'm into this again. And, and Mandalorian, same, has, has really heaped on that. I'm really enjoying that show, too. So um, a lot of fun. Always enjoyed it. Yeah, and it, it's interesting too. Picking up on a couple of, of both your threads, it's interesting because it's such a you know unique property with such longevity. It's interesting to see how the different iterations of at least the canon movies have you know um, led to you know different generations reacting differently. So what I mean by that, for example, is you know uh, like there's you know a lot of Gen Zers right now who grew up with you know the prequel trilogy. And they just absolutely love it, you know, and, and people, you know, my age or, or, or older specifically, um, you know, just generally, at least according to Internet Rage, they think it's, you know, not so great. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see how that evolves, too. And, and to your point, Joe, with the sequel trilogy, too, like with some of my, uh, you know, uh, really, you know, younger nephews and nieces too, like seeing them experience it for the first time. Uh, with these, you know, movies that are new to me, um, it, it's it's just really really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, it's like everyone kind of has their star. It's like it's like Doctor Who almost that way. Where everyone has their their specific Doctor. Like everyone has their Star Wars. That's kind of the one that they gravitate to the most. Now it's that it's so expansive, especially. Yeah, yeah, good comparison. Yeah, um, I mentioned having the toys. My. Uh, I gave my Lando Calrissian toy to Khalid when we were in college. Whoa, that is generous. Yeah, hopefully you still have that. But I want to. I told you I was going to bring this up. I want to tell you. So he brought it <laughs> home. He brought the 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 the, the toy home, and, and you got Khalid. Take it from here. Um. Yeah. So I do still have the toy. Uh, let's say I have the toy. I couldn't tell you where it is, but let's say I do. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been ten years. I'm not like a, a monster if it's lost. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got the toy from Joe from work cause he knew that like, I loved Billy D Williams and Lando, the character specifically. So he got me the toy and I took it home to my, uh, my third oldest sister. And at the time she had to have been, yeah, she was like six then or six or seven. And she was really big into Pippi Longstockings. And she immediately dismissed the toy. All the other kids were like, oh, cool. That's a cool toy. Well, I like his cape. And she was like, Psh, nobody likes your Lando smooth doll. All right. <laughs> this is, we we're, we like Pippi long stocking. She's super strong. She could beat up Lando smooth. And I just I kept getting like really hung up on her 
calling him Lando Smooth in a disparaging <laughs> context. You know, like when like somebody accidentally gives you like the coolest nickname and they're using it as an insult, like you can't even own it. It's just it was very it was a very upsetting thing for me. I and I immediately told Joe who would not stop calling him Lando Smooth after that. <laughs> yeah, I still remember Lando Smooth to this day. It's a great <laughs> nickname for an already it's great a... name. Like Lando Calrissian's cool enough on its own. Lando Smooth, like that sounds like cigarettes they sell at like the liquor stores in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love. Yeah, that. I'll take a pack. Of, I'll take a pack of Lando Smooths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so for this this uh, podcast, we watched. Um, at least Cleet and I, we rewatched uh, The Return of the Jedi. Um, so I, I, I wanted to ask you guys, just like, we, so we talk about Star Wars in general. What do you guys think about this movie in particular in relation to all the others? Do you, is it stand pretty, does it stand the test of time? Do you, do you enjoy it? Is it up, up in your power rankings, up high? Is it lower? So what do you guys think of Return of the Jedi? Luke, why don't you start off? Yeah, yeah, happily. Um, so it's right uh, in the middle of the pack for me. Uh, it's it's my fourth fourth favorite in the power rankings. Um, you know, I still give it, you know, some OG cred being the OG trilogy and there are some really, really high points. Uh, the highs are really high with this movie. Um, like the final, you know, confrontation with the emperor is beautiful. The opening sequences with Java are, are awesome. Um, but I, well, I don't want to bring in the last Jedi too much, Khalid, because I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum uh, as you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say um, in the same way, uh, the highs were high and the lows were uh, low. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Ewok lover. Um, and uh, I do think it, it, it drags a little bit in the middle. Um, but you know, that's on a relative scale. I mean, it's still, you know, Star Wars in my book, but um, within that, um, you know, group, I'd say it's right in the middle of the pack. All right. All right. What do you think, Khalid? Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a power ranking just because outside of like the newer ones, which I think I've seen more recent, like more often, more recently, I don't, I can't really like recall enough of like the prequels or the original trilogy to like properly rank them. But I liked this. It was just, it was more jarring than I remember tonally. Like you've got all these like threads that like irrespective of each other kind of work. But when you put them together, like one, some of them are just way more interesting. Like Luke has to like come to terms with the fact that like all of his like teachers are telling him to kill his dad. And he's just like, (laughs) I I really don't want to guys. Like that's a compelling storyline. But then you've got like all these other threads, like the Ewoks that just, they feel like tonal whiplash where it's like you've got one guy who has like this like incredibly difficult decision. And then you've got these other guys just like, I don't know, doing like a home alone type thing, like hitting people <laughs> with like rocks and like bow and arrows. And they supposedly have like blaster proof shields. So I'm the, 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 the power levels there are very confusing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just jarring is the word for this one because there are parts that drag, but a part, a big part of that is that like they keep like giving weight to like different different aspects, so that like when when it when when those scenes aren't happening, it's hard to feel that invested in like what feels like incredibly low stakes. Um, I'm not like an Ewok hater. That being said, I just think that like 
whatever point they were trying to go for, you know, like that whole like Avatar or uh, Pocahontas or whatever you want to call it, where it's just like the native or indigenous people who are like less technologically advanced or still scrappy enough to beat them. I think Star Wars has done that better uh, before and after this, like examples of that. And they've done it in a way that felt like you could actually care about the action beyond like, okay, well, I don't think they're going to like end this scene with a bunch of slaughtered tiny bears. So, (laughs) (laughs) so like you're watching it with like a little less like, oh God, what's going to happen? So I don't know. I mean, I could go on, but it's just, it's, it's it's a little all over the place, but I didn't hate it. (laughs) Endorsement. I didn't hate it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I so for me this when I was a kid this was my favorite when I was rewinding I was watching those VHS tapes tapes this one I love nice um I don't it's far from my favorite now but I I do really like it still it's just it because for me it kind of of the original trilogy it feels the most nostalgic because of that so I don't know I just have more parts of this one memorized but uh, I I feel like this one of the three originals is the one that leans into the silliness the most like i guess if like you put some of the concepts of all these movies on paper like you're like okay that's kind of silly but the first two play it a little more straight yeah sure there's humor but um they they come off a little more serious especially empire strikes back but this one i feel like is almost a little more deliberately campy which is an interesting choice coming off of the previous the previous episode which was which was much darker and i wonder if that's was intentional in that regard but um I don't know. I have a thing. I just have like a special thing for the conclusions where it all comes to a head and excite some exciting battle at the end. And so that always stand out to me. I was one of those like strange people who was obsessed with the Ewok spinoff movies as a kid, too. I rented those from Blockbuster a ton. So I like the Ewoks. I was all about that stuff. Um, so, I mean, Warwick Davis, he can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. So I'm into that. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm into it. I liked it. I do recognize what you guys are saying though there are definitely parts that drag a lot like when i'm when i'm rewatching because i know it all i'm like there are times where i can easily tune out so that's that's probably not the makings of the best of movies but i think it's i think it's a whole lot of fun for me at least yeah i will say that of the trilogy this one utilized like george lucas's retroactive let's add a few more cg monsters that is what i would have done back then if i had the ability they they're they're more seamless in this than like in the first one which is like it's incredibly jarring when you see all these like halloween store costumes and then all of a sudden just like a cg dude next to them that clearly wasn't there before except for the song yeah oh i thought that was i thought that was the most effective i'm totally serious i thought the song part i was like oh yeah those creatures work did not love the song myself but it was the song not in the original movie nope no okay i didn't know that in retrospect i should have guessed that that wasn't in the movie because it felt like a lot of time dedicated to that. Like, <laughs> like clearly when the heist is supposed to happen, they take like this like three minute break for what I personally believe is that universe's version of All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of you know that edition either. Uh, but you know. Um, I'm young enough that like even the the edition that you know I got my hands on when I was young was like the special edition basically. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a lot to like compare to to be honest uh, to contrast to. But yeah, that's not not my favorite part either. But you know, it's it's relatively brief, really. 
So they like composed that gibberish song and like choreographed all of that and just like threw it into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really want like Francis Ford Coppola to do that with like his movies. Like <laughs> Godfather 2 just has like a Macarena scene now, you know? <laughs> Haters be damned. I liked uh, one thing. I, one of the edits I did like in this one was at the end uh, when they were looking at the, like all the different planets celebrating. They added in Naboo and Coruscant because we'd seen glimpses of them from the prequel trilogy. I felt like that didn't like that was not a detractor whatsoever. I thought that was just kind of a cool like expansion of the world building just to see those spots that we hadn't. If you're watching it in order of one, two, three, four, five, six, that you hadn't at that point wouldn't wouldn't have seen for several movies. So I thought that was cool. I'm like. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the insertion of Hay- Hayden Christensen. I think I think that's cool. I don't know what do you guys think of that. Yeah, I I I really liked it. I mean, in the same vein to your point, Joe, in terms of like con- continuity, um, I think the the anger again is just kind of harkening back to like you know this is not my quote unquote Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, just speaking for myself, I thought it was a cool con- continuity addition, really. I mean, hate him or love him, he's like the Anakin we all think of when we think Anakin Skywalker. It's not that old dude that we saw like scarred at the very end of the, th- of the yeah. movie. Was that the same actor, the one who was in the Darth Vader outfit that was the go- Force Ghost at the end that they edited out? I would guess that. Does anyone know that? I don't know who else it would be. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Sebastian Shaw, I think is the gentleman's name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same. Oh, okay, okay. That's the I mean, name of the villain in the sixth Star uh, Fast and Furious movie. Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I mean, I might be crossing wires, but I'm- no, that makes sense actually, because uh, the the uh, the Asian guy in the crew, his name is Han Solo. Oh, okay. Are you really? Yeah, he's <laughs> he's Korean, and his name is Han Sol, like Seoul, Korea. Oh. Oh my yeah. gosh! Oh, that's, that's got to be a connection there. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the way that uh, I feel like this happened in the, in a couple of the movies? But the way that like Billy D pronounces Han Solo, he's like Han. What's up with that? Uh, the assistant director clearly didn't have the nerve to tell him he's saying it wrong. You just you just you can't you can't correct him. You shouldn't correct him. I mean, fair point. Fair point. Even his mispronunciations have purpose, Joe. <laughs> I kind of like it. I love it. Pan. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this this podcast, we we're going to focus a little bit about the Rancor. So the Rancor makes its appearance in kind of the earliest, the first uh, first part of this movie when they're um, doing the, the, the kind of the heist, as Khalid said, in Jabba's palace. They're trying to they're trying to. The, heist, the object of the heist is Han Solo, right? They're trying to get him. He's frozen in carbonite. And... Which is a cool heist because like, yeah. he's basically like a painting at first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in in the process of the heist, like uh, Luke Skywalker waltzes in and gets dropped into this pit where um, there's a monster that Jabba keeps that eats, eats people, presumably eats people that he's displeased with. And uh, fight ensues. And so the monster is not a huge part of the story, but I thought it'd be kind of a fun one to talk about because of the originals, this is probably one of the one of the most effects effects heavy of the three movies, I'd say. Um, has a lot of the a lot of a lot of strange aliens, a lot of um, more non-humanoid type creatures. And and the Rancor itself is like 
uh, the scale of it is at this point was kind of the biggest uh i think other than if you count like the the asteroid worm maybe that they're inside of but like this this the scale of, of which that we see directly in front of us the biggest kind of creature so um just going off of that what do you guys think of the rancor uh, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, when I was young, you know, I'll admit, uh, that it, you know, it scared me a little bit, but you know, <laughs> looking at it, uh, now I, I just, man, I just really like in a weird way. I kind of just like how the effects have like aged. Like it's just, it looks like so mm-hmm. slimy and like grimy and just nasty, <laughs> um, <laughs> that it's just, you know, kind of, um, interesting to see. Um, but you know, I thought it was a cool placement of it. Yeah. what do you think, Khalid? Um, for me, it was interesting just because I don't know why, but like, it just really reminded me of my relationship with my cat, like the Rancor and Luke, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like on paper, I'm bigger and smarter, or I guess not like smarter doesn't apply to the Rancor, but like I'm bigger than the, than my cat and like the scale relative is relatively matches up, but like. There are times when, like, if my cat is, like, quick enough and clever enough, like, I'm down for the count. Like, I just give up. <laughs> so, like, I really empathize with the Rancor this time around as a, as a, as a newer cat daddy. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Great comparison. Wasn't sure where you are going with that when you said that it, when you said that it reminds you of you and your cat. That was a, that's an interesting answer. <laughs> I just, no, like, just the scale of it and everything. And, like, my cat has, like, done stuff like that where, like, he'll, like, hide in, like, hard-to-reach spots and then I'll go in and, like, he'll, like, come at my fingers. <laughs> it was it was all too real. Yeah, that's <laughs> cats for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you, Luke. I think the 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 practical effects that we see in the, in a lot of these scenes hold up really well. Um, and actually I'd say better than the CGI add-ins. Like when we, we were talking about earlier, the CGI, like I'm like, Oh, that's CGI. Definitely. But the practical effects, like I'm not in the moment, I'm not questioning like, Oh, that's small in real life. And Luke's and it's just, they're splicing the scenes together. Like it feels really well done. And like, like you said, the sliminess and the griminess, um, they actually had to keep like moisturizing the, the puppet to like, to, to keep that effect because i mean they're they're filming in like deserty areas where it's dry heat but mm. uh and then like they made it look all drooly to just like add to the realism of it oh i love that that's awesome yeah I so think a the part of it is like what works so well and like what i was getting at with how some of the newly added cg characters work is that they do they utilize low light more that's how a lot of these like effects like either cg or practical are like most effective and like the first movie with like so much of it on like Tatooine and like brightly lit areas and stuff. It just felt fake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, the, uh, one of the, the lead effects artists that was working on this movie is a guy named Dennis Murin, who is a industrial lights and magic VFX artist, uh, did a large portion of the work with the star original star Wars trilogies, but most extensively worked on this movie. He was actually working concurrently on ET while also doing this movie. So he had, a, had his work cut out of him for that. But I found a quote from him about making the Rancor that I thought was interesting. He says, uh, this is an interview with StarWars.com, I believe. But he said, uh, quote, we tried it originally with a guy in a suit. George thought that might work. And, and I was thinking, this will never work. But as we got into it, we made a suit that a couple guys could work with. It was one creature, but really being controlled by two people inside of it. It was big as a person actually is. So it was not a rod puppet or anything and started looking pretty neat. But George quickly said, no, this is not going to make it. And then they end up switching it to a puppet. So 
that's the end quote, but they, what they ended up going with was, was like a rod puppet, like something that you, you kind of see in like those old, like almost in a fantasy where they're like, they have a rod behind it and it's coming out on stage, like on stage in front and you're kind of like dancing around. Um, but uh, the full size ranker on screen is actually an 18 inch puppet. So it's really not that big. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, some more animatronics built for like the, when the, the arm, reaches out and grabs Luke. Like that was, that was just like an arm that was built for that. So they just like use like different lenses to like achieve the effect of making them look huge then. Essentially. Yeah. Just kind of like clever filmmaking tricks. Yeah. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. It's super cool. And then uh, one thing that's stood out to me too, is the noises that it makes. Um, The noises actually were recordings of a dachshund, like a dog. That was uh, the sound of the, the sound designer's neighbor's dog. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Luke, I think you were telling me that you're reading a book right now that features the ranker. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, features might be a strong word, but it's, it's part <laughs> of um, it's a small part. Uh, I'm reading uh, uh, the Darth Bane trilogy right now. I actually just wrapped it up a couple of nights ago. Um, huge recommendation, you know, for those of you uh, Star Wars fans who want to go a little bit deeper. Um, it was written uh, in the early 2000s, I want to say. Um, but in, I want to, I, if I remember correctly, I think it's the first book. Um, uh, Bane is, uh, you know, kind of a big figure in kind of the history of, of the Sith. Um, and and, and it, his belief was a lot of, around like the old, old ancient wisdom around the Sith is what uh, should drive it forward. Um, so uh, on one planet where he's seeking uh, a holocron, uh, you know, which is just basically a library of, you know, the information and wisdom from a single Sith. Um, he's looking for Darth Revan's holocron, who's like another big figure in Star Wars. Um, and while he's searching for it, he uh, after he lands, he actually like subjugates a ranker through the dark side and rides it around the planet uh, in search for this holocron. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you can come up with a cooler transportation system, but uh, that's that's pretty <laughs> damn cool. That is really cool. Um, I I did a little bit of research into mythology and the lore of these creatures, and it sounds like a lot of it's built in into in the in the legends mythology, which. Um, how would you explain that? How would you explain legends and can it's like the stuff that's that uh, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they said all of this EU stuff is not technically canon to what we're making, but it's like it's it's like a legends continuity. And then they have a new canon, which is like the the new novels that have been coming out are now part of the the, the current canon. Is that what I am I explaining that right, Luke? Yeah, that's exactly right, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they just wanted to exert creative control, <laughs> um, <laughs> and now you know they have a as you said, new canon coming out too. So yeah, it's basically Disney trying to reconcile the history of, you know, decades of, um, you know, expanded universe content. Right. And Darth Bane's part of the the legends, right? Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. That sounds cool though. That sounds like a fun trilogy. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. So for those, you know, who want to delve that deep, huge recommendation. What I found in, in my kind of just musings through it is so, so for those of you listening, like the the, ba- the base idea of the Rancor, it's like a large semi-sentient reptilian carnivore. And according to some of the mythology, they're native to the planet. Uh, and I might be mispronouncing this, so Luke, correct me if I'm wrong. Dathomir? Nailed it. 
<laughs> yes. Um, and as we see them on screen, they're about five meters tall, long arms, intense jaws, armored hides. Um, but what I came to realize in reading more about them is they had since kind of been transformed as not necessarily like these aggressive monster creatures that um, we kind of see in the movie. So like the one in the movie, I think, has been given a name called uh, I saw it was like Patisa which means friend in Huttese, which is the hut language I found out also. So there's a lot going on there. Um, but, but that one was like trained as like this like kind of monster uh, that they kind of kept, which is kind of sad when you learn a bit about more about them. But I guess they were uh, they were relatively um, benign and not really aggressive creatures, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia um, which itself was a reference to the visual, Star Wars Visual Dic- Dictionary from 2018. Um, one of the first appearances of them in the old legends books was a book called the courtship of princess Leia, um, in which Luke was trying to look for more worlds and to, to join the Alliance after they kind of had that big victory at the end of return of the Jedi. And, uh, it was also like just looking for more force people to build a, build a sort of a new Jedi order in the novel verse. And he goes to Dathomir, where he meets the night sisters or aka the the witches of dathomir and they had domesticated rancors and rid them around sort of like how you were describing darth bane does um and so the night sisters i thought so courts of Prin- princess leia i thought was i read some of it not awesome book but i thought that stuff was really cool yeah um i mean I'm, people may like that book i'm not sure but it wasn't for me but uh the night sisters are a super cool concept and they are explored more in the Clone Wars, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, pretty extensively there uh, in the yeah the animated uh, Clone Wars show, um, and you know it, it explores a lot of their mythology uh, as well. But yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think people who might be fans of the Clone Wars is it um, Asajj Ventress, right? Was a from that planet? Yeah, that's exactly right. And who? And could you describe who she is? Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, she was uh, a, a Sith uh, warrior. She was apprenticed to um, Count Dooku, um, who is a pretty central figure in uh, the prequel trilogy, um, played by Christopher Lee uh, for trying to jog some memories. Great actor. Yeah, yeah. What a legend. What a legend. Wait, if he's Dooku, who's the robot with like eight arms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's General Grievous. Yeah, that's I always get them. <laughs> yeah, yep. a robot and Christopher Lee. <laughs> yeah. In every movie, I have to figure out which one's the robot, which one's Christopher Lee. It's I love very it. Frustrating. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Luke. Yeah, yeah, Luke. What were you saying? Oh, uh, no, it's all good. Yeah, so she, um, so Asajj Ventress, yeah, just plays a pretty big, you know, uh, role in the Clone Wars, kind of being dispatched to do Dooku's, about you know, uh his wants and then also in connection of course to Sidious's wants so it's kind of a ripple effect there and you told us this off air but you've watched all of the clone wars and you're currently watching rebels correct yeah that's right that's right yeah uh clone wars um huge recommendation for me uh in the later seasons uh it's definitely a show that improved as time went mm-hmm. on um and you know as Dave Filoni took i think a little bit tighter control um and then yeah rebels uh i'm i've actually watching for the first time through right now i'm on season three um that is yeah like even head and shoulders above clone wars um 
wow. it, it is it's 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 really a work of art um so uh you know for all those who love star wars if you haven't checked that out definitely definitely do um it's on disney plus so pretty pretty easy to access cool high recommendation yeah i think that that stuff those those shows are a blind spot for for me and Khalid, I believe um, we've watched all the movies. We watched Mandalorian and everything like that. And I've read some of the books, um, but yeah, I haven't gotten into those yet. I feel like my, maybe, maybe that's the, that's the, that's the push I need your, your, your glowing recommendations. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's yeah. They're really, really, really awesome. So I'm going to actually go back and reference Ewoks again, but uh, my exposure to the concept of the night sisters is like the retconning of so the second Ewok of the ewok films those spinoffs that george lucas did like on skywalker ranch just in his backyard area <laughs> he, the second yeah the second one's called the battle for endor and it's the second one's cool i don't know I, I i will say that the second one is a good movie it's got wilford brimley in it um it's a lot of fun. He's like a cantankerous old like tinker who just lives there. But anyway, there's a the villain, the antagonist is this like shape-shifting witch woman. And it was just like, at the time, it was just like this woman who had magic powers. But people have since gone back and said, oh, she's uh, one of the one of the witches of Dathomir who had con- who had gone there and was the antagonist. So it's like a like a retcon kind of thing. I don't know if that's official in any capacity or it's just something that fans did. But I feel like it adds a kind of a fun layer to that movie for me. But so if you guys haven't watched that, you guys should watch it. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's really super <laughs> interesting to me. So yeah, that's, yeah. that yeah, for sure. It's worthwhile, but, so, but yeah. I just have a quick question <laughs> that I forgot to ask during the movie discussion. Yes. Since we got Luke here, who seems pretty well read on the star Wars universe. One question with two parts. Why do the droids experience fear and follow up. Why do they experience pain? Like the one that is in Jabba's hut that gets his feet branded and screams. <laughs> oh man, good question. I'm not sure um, about the pain element, but I know um, from watching some, you know, documentaries about, uh, you know, influences on George Lucas, uh, like Joseph Campbell and uh, the Hero Story. Um, I know one function he was thinking about for the droids just narratively was that they would kind of operate as like, uh, like, uh, choruses used to in old, like Roman plays. So, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And sounds like you're familiar. So in some ways they were kind of like, you know, emotional conduits. Um, so that's, that's the answer I'd give for that one. But pain, I, I don't know about that. Maybe that they just program that in to approximate, I don't know sentience or or what but i mean it feels like you only make a robot feel pain if like you want to hurt it i don't know it's very it's just just a very messed up thing to have to like wrap my head around because like i just never like i mean the even just ignoring the loaded idea of like branding like captured robots and like what that's supposed to mean but it was it was just like a, a kind of a uh it was just a lot. That's all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair, you know, ethical uh, conundrum. So, yeah, fair. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like C-3PO, like they got like the most cowardly robot. I don't, <laughs> I don't think any other robot has been half as scared as that guy is. All the time. Again, fair, fair point. <laughs> 
I love when he knocks on the doors in the beginning and he's just like, this is the gentlest knock. Oh, no one's here. We should go. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the thing opens and R2's like, all right, so are we going to do what we came here to do? And he goes on and he's just like, oh, wait for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> poor guy, you were not you were not supposed to be on this team. <laughs> oh, I love it. I also say, Khalid, dialing back just a few a few minutes here, I, I enjoyed how you referred to Jabba's palace as just Jabba's hut. <laughs> Oh my god, did I say that? You did, you did. <laughs> I like it. Drop the hut's hut. It just it just rolls off the tongue. Oh, that yeah. is wonderful. <laughs> it's not really a palace. It's like a dive bar. It's a speakeasy. Let's be honest. It really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a place to party. Uh, I also just I like that um it's very interesting the the way the empire works where like there's clearly like evil aliens and like bad monsters and stuff like that. But like for the most part, like all of like the diversity is on the rebel side. And then it's just somehow in a galaxy full of like who knows how many sentient creatures, it's still just like an army comprised of mostly white dudes. <laughs> like you got to try really hard to be racist in the Star Wars universe, but like they did it. The Empire is supposed to be xenophobic, right? Uh, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, there's, there's, you know, uh, some narrative justification for that. But, yeah, <laughs> overall, yeah. But even if they're xenophobic, like, did they come from a planet of only white guys? Like, <laughs> do they, like, reproduce like lizards? Like, I don't, it just doesn't track. <laughs> I think that's a fair point, man. Fair point. <laughs> I used to think the emperor was an alien when I was a kid. I can. I mean, I guess they're all aliens in a sense to us, but like, I thought he wasn't like human, human-ish thing. Oh, I could totally see that. He was—he's mangled. I could—I could totally see that. Yeah. They probably like kept it ambiguous until further in. I mean, I don't know. Is it? Is he pretty? I guess in retrospect, is he like more clearly human in the first one now that you're older? Yeah, because he's just like the senator, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right, right. Once you get that prequel backstory, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in this movie and in Star Wars in general, like, I mean, the Rancor is far from the only monsters monster that we see. Like these, this universe is ripe with just like cool creatures, cool alien effects, cool prosthetics, cool puppetry and all this stuff. Like, and then now in Mandalorian, we have some really stellar CGI with some awesome monsters and monster effects and whatnot, but, um, and practical effects. Like we heard on the last one, like, our uh, last episode when we talked to Cole, he talked about uh, their company worked on the baby Yoda puppet too. But like that being said, like I'm, I was just kind of curious, do you guys have a, like a favorite monster or like any monsters that you think are, are that stick out to you in the star Wars universe? Yeah, for sure. I mean, speaking of, of Mandalorian, uh, the, the crate dragon uh, yeah. was super, super cool for me. I mean, that's been, you know, uh, a figure, um, in the eu for a while um and you know even going far back as like the original original uh there are some theories about that but uh and it was also in like a video game that i played you know growing up a bunch called knights of the old republic um Mm. uh, which is a big like internet love um 2003 video game um so it was cool to kind of see that come to you know life on a on a disney level budget so that was cool (laughs) how about you Uh, colleen 
Okay, so number one for me is probably that like funny like squid monster or whatever in uh, Force Awakens when they like introduce the Millennium Falcon, Millennium, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh, that's right, like, the I, one that like rolls to move, like that one. Yeah, that <laughs> oh, one. yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that one. Like I just, I just loved it. Like he like immediately dispatches like the cast of the raid and like almost <laughs> takes out like the main characters. That was like cool in like a funny way. And then a very close second is is it the Bantha or whatever the 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 breast milk monster from That is not a Bantha. What is it? What is that? You know the one from Return of the Jedi? No, from uh, Last Jedi. Or yeah, Last Jedi, the the, the one that Luke milks with yeah. the green milk. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's your number that's 2 your with a bullet. Second favorite monster? <laughs> yep. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, to, do you know what it's called? Luke? Yeah, to be honest, I don't either, but I do know it is not a Bantha. Definitely okay. not. Banthas yeah. are like the those horned, like furry creatures that we see in this one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, not that yeah. then. But the, yeah. the, 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 the breast milk monster. I, yeah, just, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Did you know for that monster, they actually had to use a helicopter to bring in that that uh, animatronic puppet thing to that island where they were filming? You mean they didn't just like they weren't native to that island? Well, no, like <laughs> they, they it wasn't like a small thing. Like they actually had to airlift it. Uh, like many many meters onto the island like it was carried from multiple helicopters to get there whoa it's, it was a and, and it, worth i mean they put a lot of effort into that penny. shot <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's hilarious i it's hard for me to choose because i think i feel like i just i just think the star wars monsters are always really cool um i think the the uh, the yeti creature from Empire Strikes Back. What is that one called? Wampa? No, is it Wampa? Yeah, that's a Wampa. Yep. I think that one's cool. I like, uh, although its methods are confused. I'm not sure what it was doing, <laughs> um, and how, why it just put Luke up and like on the ceiling. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a freezing thing, meat thing. But uh, that thing was creepy, and I liked like kind of the dread that was instilled as it was coming towards him, and he was just trying to mm. use the force to get his lightsaber. Like that sequence is really cool to me. I am a big fan of the arena fight in Attack of the Clones. Where um, with Padme and Anakin and Obi Wan, where they're fighting those monsters, and then all the Jedi come out. Like that's not my favorite movie, but one of my favorite sequences of the prequel trilogy, I think. So it's it, that's just a lot of fun, and those creatures are really fun and interesting and weird. Um, I also uh, I also have a I also love the crate dragon. We talked about the Khalid and I talked about the crate dragon on another podcast actually, and I, I just seventh think that's Matrix, Seventh out. Matrix, yeah. Shout out to our buddy Rod. But that that's just such a cool monster, and 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 like you said, Luke, it was cool to see it kind of brought to like really brought to life in a way that we never probably wouldn't imagined years ago. Yeah, yeah, but good choices on the Attack of the Clones arena monsters; those are awesome. Yeah, they did some cool. They have some cool creatures in the prequel trilogy, like some cool aliens and some like for its overabundant use of CGI. Like some of the stuff looks cool. I will. Attack I will of say the that. Clones had some of the cooler stuff for me, like um. I like the little like when they're in the city and like the the assassins after uh, mm-hmm. uh, Obi Wan. Yeah, that yeah, that was cool. That felt like the Fifth Element kind of where they're like jumping the flying cars. Very, yeah, like that's what I thought the whole thing was gonna be was like just like these like cool like sleek cities and stuff. But you know, we got what we got. We got a little bit of it, yeah. yeah. Oh, the uh, Phantom Menace had that, that underwater those underwater monsters. Oh yeah, <laughs> those are kind of cool. Yeah, the yeah. Bit, like, there's, always, there's always a bigger yeah, fish. So I just wanted to say that. I love it. Oh, I beat you to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get credit, my friend. Yeah.
no, that, those are cool. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I like it. I'm excited to see uh, what more we're going to get in like the new shows. Like the Mandalorian is like obviously up the game with the kind of creatures that they show. Like there's the, the big spider in that second episode of season two also. And there's like that big rhino creature in the first season at some point, too. Oh, yeah. That so, one almost yeah. like did him in, too. Yeah. So I, I, I'm excited to see like what kind of more what more creatures like there. If we want to do more May the 4th episodes on Frankenstein's podcast, I feel like the the well is like continually full. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. For sure. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, speaking of things that are <laughs> that are full, Khalid, when they tend to start hibernating, bears will be full. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's segue to the four bears test. All right, so Luke, you know what the Four Bears Test is, having heard this before, but for those of you who do not know, the Four Bears Test is where I distract from a very informative discussion to ask the question nobody else was thinking about. Uh, What would happen if you replace the monster of discussion with Four Bears? Does it change the narrative, or is it, like, irrespective of the narrative, still the same threat? Um... I'm very happy after our Uzumaki episode, which was a first for me. It broke the four bears test for me. Uh, in this one, uh, it, it's a very clean pass. You know, uh, you throw anybody in a cage with four bears that uh, are, are used to just eating things that fall into that cage, like Jedi or not, that's a threat. Uh I still think Luke would have survived it in the same way that he survived the Rancor, but like he would have had to have been clever and he'd have to be clever four times. Cause like, just cause you take out one bear doesn't mean you can do it just as easily with the other ones. Bears are pretty fast. And if anything, it's more of a threat to him in that cage because like part of the disadvantage of the Rancor was that he was so big. He couldn't get into like those little like nooks and crannies that Luke was hiding in while he thought of a game plan, like a, a, like if four bears are coming at you in that little space, like they they could they can make a pretty good swipe at you. So yeah, un, uh, no qualifications, nothing. It's just that threat was equal to four bears. It's a pass, Joe. I'm ah, waiting for that. I was I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nice comeback, like you said. The last one kind of broke it, so it's nice to come back to have a nice, comfortable pass. Yeah, would you guys agree? Yeah, I mean that seems like a solid, solid argument, my friend. Couldn't say it better. Yeah, yeah, you put you put more thought into it than any of us. So, uh, yes, whatever you say is 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 right. This is a this is a near and dear segment to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of things that are near and dear, Khalid, uh, <laughs> would you would you fight or flirt with the Rancor if you were? I don't know. I was talking smack to Jabba and he he just pushed that button and you fell down. <laughs> if you were there, what would you do? How would you try to survive? Fight or flirt? Uh, again, easy one for me. Flirt. Uh, it's a lonely monster. The only people that he gets to meet are food. So <laughs> I don't I don't think that any of them have even tried to tell it that it looks hot that day. Uh, you know, it's glistening. It's been working on its, uh, its biceps, its tries. Uh, I think it's just it's the rancor is like all of us, you know, a little bit of attention, some compliments. It goes a long way. So why not give it a shot? Like maybe we could be friends and I could do like a quick, like five minute stand up routine for people before he comes in and eats them. 
I just I just think that the possibility of a relationship there is strong. So my answer is again unqualified flirt. Good choice. I I would agree with you. It's like from everything I heard in the in the mythology like readings, like it's it's a pretty docile like chill creature. It just becomes mean when it's like treated poorly like it is in Jabba's palace so kind of like like a dog like a dog is only like aggressive when it's kind of made to be so so I feel like I feel like he got a flirt it's just like it just wants some pets yeah man give it a solid back rub he probably hasn't got one of those in a minute he's got to have hard to reach spots I could scratch <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I, you know I think Luke would appreciate that even though he killed it like I think he would appreciate me looking for a way to solve this this situation without result resorting to murder <laughs> well said Khalid. Yeah. yes like a true jedi yeah yeah that's he wasn't luke wasn't really a true jedi at that point so it <laughs> makes sense that he killed his way out of it yeah yeah hey well said well said yeah <laughs> uh you guys i'm assuming you guys are both flirt joe you kind of said you were mm-hmm yeah, I would I would agree. I would agree. I mean, thinking right now, the alternative would be uh, a difficult one, I think. <laughs> so maybe by default, I would go with flirt as well. Yeah, that gate trick isn't going to work every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. I liked I liked digging into Star Wars. Um, this with this podcast, it's kind of fun when you get the chance to like really dive into like a like a nerdy franchise property that we all love so i mean usually it's just like a single movie or something so this like has a whole a whole like again a full well of stuff we can pull from so i think it was fun thanks thanks luke for for being part of this oh yeah thanks, it was, man it was a blast guys thanks for having me i i i could talk about this all day <laughs> well maybe we'll have you on for that um before we wrap up officially we're going to go to our our final segment segment of of the show which we refer to as our what the fandom section wow <laughs> see I, I doubled down on the on the guitar riff idea that we did last so oh. i don't i don't know i said i would never do it again and i did it again and, and i already regret, I regret it i regret it already uh, I, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it joe i enjoyed it Thank you. I yeah, appreciate that, that. That bell can't be on wrong, dude. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So for those of you listening, our What the Phantom section is where we kind of go around and share something that we're into at the moment uh, that may or may not have anything to do with what we just talked about, may or may not have anything to do with monsters for that matter. Just something that we're into um, and that we thought maybe you listeners might get a kick out of and might dig. Maybe you will find something that you love too. So uh, Khalid and I try to come prepared with these things. So we'll give you a moment to think, Luke, if you want. So Khalid, why don't you start us off? What the fandom with you? Um, my what the fandom this week is a five-week pilot writing course that I just completed yesterday. Mm. Uh, it's called Ben Axelrad Pilots. And the website that you can go to to look more into it is benaxelradpilots.com. I'll send the link to Joe to throw into the footnotes. But um yeah, it's been pretty great. Uh, I was really busy with work the last couple of weeks. So I haven't been as good of a student as I could be. But the nice thing about these classes is because of COVID, it's Zoom-based. So even if you've taken the class and you like missed it, a class for whatever reason or just weren't able to pay as much attention, they throw them up on Vimeo so you can review them later at your like leisure. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a really good class for anybody who's like, had an even passing interest in writing a pilot. Like, you don't have to be an expert to get into it. And, uh, yeah, it just teaches you form and, like, 
proper outlining because I feel like a lot of people think it's as simple as like open up the script writing app and start writing. And that's really very few people do it that way. The real way to do it is come up with an idea, flesh it out, outline it to such a degree that it really is just paint by numbers when you actually do get to the screenwriting app. And uh, I found it very useful and the teacher's great. I also did the additional um, one-on-one sessions on Sundays with somebody who really like helped me get my idea like more fleshed out. And if you're, if you're into writing and want to give a shot at television writing, like you got to start somewhere and you got to learn the fundamentals, even if you, have like designs to like break the formula and go full last Jedi with it. So yeah, benaxelradpilots.com. Highly recommend it. Check it out. Cool. Khalid. I like that one. It's kind of out of the box suggestion. Yeah. You know, I, the only thing I saw that was, I thought about recommending was uh nobody that new Bob Odenkirk movie, but you know, if you've seen the trailers, you either like it or you don't. <laughs> I have not seen the trailers actually, honestly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What well, what the fandom with you, Joe? Thanks for embracing that, Khalid. I just didn't want you to be the only one to put yourself out there with that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to share uh, two things, actually, this week. I uh, First, since our last episode with our buddy Jim, and we started exploring the manga world and, and like looking into more like diff- different stuff from like Japan and like different... Uh, different culture i I got i got a little bit into anime lately and i've written some manga but uh one specifically that stood stood out to me is it's um it is an anime inspired from a manga it's called claymore um which is a kind of a cool it's a cool story it's really dark uh really bloody so definitely not for kids but it's it's, um about a world where um there's like monster these creatures can like shape shift into human form but they just do it to eat humans and so they they basically think that they're like above us on the food chain and they're trying to kill humans and eat them as prey and our the humans only defense against these monsters is this race of like basically super soldier women called claymores but they're really stoic and just kind of like badass fighters because um they are part creature part monster or whatever the monsters are called um and so they're like half monster half human so they don't really form connections because they're like oh if we you know like we could any minute turn out like full on our monster side or whatever and but she befriends like a little boy from the town that she saved and he's kind of like following along with her and so she's like kind of warring between that humanity monster side and she has like a like a handler basically who's like gives her missions it's it's a it's a cool story like i i don't know it's like a kind of a medieval fantasy setting but it's got uh just like different elements that uh kind of make it stand out and unique it's I think it's a lot of fun. I'm on like four or five episodes into it, but I'm as a monster fan and genre fan in general, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. It's on Hulu. If, if anyone's interested, it's the dub version. So it's all in, it's the, the all in English you can watch, but uh, I would highly recommend that one. And the other thing I wanted to recommend is a comic book. Um, and I was inspired to revisit this um, based on watching Falcon, the winter soldier recently. But I reread uh, The Truth, Red, White, and Black, which is a comic book from 2003 written by Robert Morales and illustrated by Kyle Baker. But it's like a, it's a Captain America story, but it, uh, it kind of tells a story of like, it's like a Tuskegee Airmen sort of allegory about um, African-American soldiers who experimented on with the super soldier serum that Steve Rogers got. And it's a really, uh, it's a really cool story. And the art is really cool too. And it's, I don't want to spoil anything in, in the show Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the story does play into that show a little bit. And it was so it was a fun to go revisit it. I 
if you're if you want more if you're watching that show and want more definitely read the comic um or if you're just just like into comics and 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 storytelling it's a little different than what you would normally get in comics definitely check it out so highly recommended the truth red white and black so those are my two my two what the fandoms for for this week um how about you luke what the fandom with you yeah sure um so a couple of things come to mind um so on the nintendo switch a couple gaming recommendations for you uh i've been going uh into the backlog of the zelda series um, fun to go all the way back to the, you know, the originals all the way up to some of the modern ones. Um, in the same way, uh, again, backlog video games that I played when I was younger, um, Halo Master Chief Collection is always so great. So, you know, if just recommendations for, you know, if, if there are people out there who haven't, you know, accessed these kind of, um, landmark, uh, video game titles, there are really, really good, cohesive, easy to access ways, um, to get them. And then last thing I'll mention too is uh, I've just been trying to get uh, my wife Lori into uh, Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings. Um, she's seen, you know, the movies uh, and the Hobbit trilogy too, but it's just been kind of fun to share that um, with her as well. So if, you know, there are people out there who haven't accessed that either, um, you know, that's something I've been into for a long time, but also recently and uh, two thumbs up for me. Oh, that's a really nice one. I was just, I was just thinking. Nicole and I were just talking. We're like, I think Lori and Luke have a switch, but I wasn't sure. I was going to ask you that, so you'd answer my question for me. Oh, nice. Do a purpose, baby. Do a purpose. Yeah. That was the that was the real reason we had you on. Joe just was afraid to ask you straight up, so he was like coming up with a pretext of like, well, you like Star Wars. That'll get us somehow close to that. It was all a ruse. Oh, well played, man. Well played. That was, that was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh well, anyway seriously though it was a lot of fun it was a blast to have you on thank you again luke for being with us and we'll again we'll definitely have you on again for something else maybe star wars maybe not star wars in the future but uh is there any anything you want to plug for yourself any socials places people could find you or, or follow you um no no not uh, not that i can think of right now <laughs> yeah. um i do um a fair amount of that uh for work um you know I'm on social a lot, so I don't have like a lot of big personal handles. Um, but uh, you know, again, I just say you know, thanks for having me, guys. It was uh, it was a blast. Yeah. So you have to get your next Luke fix next time he's on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a rare commodity, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a really fun discussion. It was great catching up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Same to you, man. It was a blast. Thanks again. Yeah. Um, all right. So next episode, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, is our one year episode. Next year is our one year episode. Yeah. Next, so it next will be episode, not next next, year. next episode will be our one year episode. Thank you, Khalid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. Uh, that's kind of that's, that's kind of cool to say. We, we did this whole for a whole year now. Um, yeah, yeah. it's I think it's gonna be episode 28. I want to say given like i mean we've had some weeks that were we missed and we try to go every other week so i think it's 28 for us radical yeah, yeah. so and, uh, so it's at this sorry khalid i was just say at this point it's been a year and you're listening to our podcast you definitely should be subscribing and leaving those five star ratings yeah what are you doing you listen to us for a year you don't have any opinion on us let alone a five star one come on guys don't you you're gonna make joe cry and that makes me cry yeah. um 
but no, in all seriousness, <laughs> thank you guys for listening for this long. It's been an honor. Uh, if you can, give us uh, five stars and a nice review. So we'll shout you out on the pod if you do that. Um, that being said, check out our next episode, which uh, in honor of the one year, we're going to do a personal favorite of mine and Joe's. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's this uh, old movie called Men in Black. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know what the specific monster we're talking about is. Are we just going to do Edgar? Are we going to do the cockroach I mean, monster? I mean, you got to do Edgar, don't you? We got to do Edgar. All right, so we're going to do Edgar the cockroach monster. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, peep that. It's going to be a really fun discussion. I will be probably the most excited I've been about a specific movie since Attack the Block. So uh, that with all that said, and with all the thank yous to Luke for coming on today, you guys have a great week, and uh, creep it easy. Creep it easy.